So welcome to HR Trends. I'm your host, Claire Morin, and today we are discussing the U.S. Supreme Court that has weighed in on the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA's private employer mandate. Joining us to unpack all of this is Ellen McCann, Assistant Vice President of Unum Solutions. She's an acclaimed national speaker on all things related to employment law, leave laws, regulatory updates, and of course, a very popular guest of the HR Trends podcast. Welcome back, Ellen. Thanks, Claire. I'm so happy to be back. We are so glad you're here with us today. (laughs) We're unpacking this latest news Of course, the Supreme Court has come out with these decisions. Let's, we're going to take a really comprehensive look, a walkthrough. What does this mean for employers? What are the practical implications? And let's just start with the basics. So Ellen, can you just give us some grounding? What was the federal mandate originally? And then what what happened? Sure, Claire. And so I think that's a great place to start just to refresh everyone on the different components to the federal mandate, because really there were three main components to the federal mandate that was issued back in September. So the first component was the one you referenced initially, and that was OSHA's Emergency Temporary Standard, or ETS. That mandate applied to employers with 100 or more employees and allowed employers to have a choice of whether they would have their employees be vaccinated against COVID-19 or submit to weekly testing. So that's what we call the ETS or the private employer mandate. There was a second component also released and that was released with regard to healthcare providers. Uh, So almost all healthcare providers in the US and really any healthcare providers that accepted funds from the Medicare or Medicaid programs. That's been referred to the CMS mandate because the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid um, and the Department of Health and Human Services actually issued that mandate. Uh, That mandate provided that those covered healthcare employers had to adopt a policy that their employees be vaccinated. So there was no automatic testing option, However, testing may have been available as a reasonable accommodation based on either medical or religious reasons. And then the third major component was a mandate that addressed federal contractor employees. And so those employees who worked for federal contractors had a mandate that was very similar to what we saw in the healthcare world, and that was they had to be vaccinated. Testing was not an automatic option, uh, but testing might be available as a reasonable accommodation. So really three distinct federal mandates uh, and all challenged by litigation, all in different phases of whether they are in fact um, active or alive right now. And it's created quite a bit of confusion for HR professionals for sure. That's so helpful. So let's then unpack with that emergency temporary standard or the ETS decision. So what changed? Right. And so that, again, as I mentioned, everything has been subject to litigation. Um, So the ETS was subject to a lot of litigation across the country. Eventually, those cases were all consolidated and there was a decision made that there would be a temporary stay of that ETS so that the OSHA could not enforce the ETS. That decision was eventually overturned um, by the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeal, and that was appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. So that was the decision that came down yesterday. So it's very confusing technically, but basically what happened at the Supreme Court is the Supreme Court was asked to rule whether OSHA could enforce 
their emergency temporary standard during the pendency of litigation to decide whether the ETS was valid or would be struck down entirely. So what did the courts say exactly? What was their thinking around this? Right. So the Supreme Court actually issued a decision yesterday, and it was a six to three decision um, where the court said that they were going to uphold a temporary stay of the ETS pending the litigation in the lower courts. So what that essentially means is that while the lower court decides whether the ETS is constitutional, whether it can be enforced by OSHA, the Supreme Court said OSHA's got to hold its ground, can't do anything to enforce it during the pendency of the litigation. And that litigation will decide the merits of whether the ETS is actually something that can uh, be enforced and can be passed by OSHA. So that's, that was, it was interesting, it wasn't it, watching the media, and we are recording this on the 14th of January, just the morning after, a lot of headlines saying it's blocked, but but essentially mm-hmm. you're saying it's not blocked, it's on pause, <laughs> it's on hold. What does this mean for employers who aren't in those sort of, and we'll get to the healthcare and, and federal contractors later, for those employers mm-hmm. impacted by this? Right. And so I think that's really important, Claire, that you mentioned. So it's not dead completely, but it is definitely paused. And as part of the Supreme Court review, the Supreme Court had to look to see whether they felt that OSHA would ultimately be successful in defending its right to pass the ETS. So that was part of what the Supreme Court was looking at. Will OSHA ultimately be successful in the litigation that actually will decide the merits of whether the ETS uh, can, in fact, be enforced? And so what the Supreme Court basically said is they don't feel that OSHA can ultimately be successful. So although it's not dead, um, it's still kind of paused, as you say, that does give us a little view into the way the Supreme Court may ultimately hear and decide the uh, the seminal issue of whether the ETS is valid. So we're on pause, but we did have a little bit of a glimpse into what the Supreme Court views is the ability of OSHA to actually not only enforce, but to actually have uh, passed this uh, ETS in the first place. So as of right now, employers that are only subject to the ETS, they have some breathing room. Um, They're not obligated to go ahead and comply with it because, again, the Supreme Court said that OSHA cannot enforce this temporarily. What the Supreme Court did not say is that those employers can't enforce a voluntary program that has some or many of the characteristics of the ETS. So employers are still free to work with their counsel, take a look at whether there's a state or a local law that applies to them and really dictates the outcome of their safety policies, but they can go ahead and decide what they want their safety protocols to be. Unless there's another law that prevents them from doing something, employers can go ahead and voluntarily adopt the ETS if they choose to do that. So you mentioned states there. Can you kind of just quick overview of what what, what impact that has. Right. So we've seen some states come out even during the pendency of the the ETS, and they've issued their own rules or requirements around vaccination policies. We've even seen cities do this. 
And so you employers really have to work with their counsel to see if there is a mandate uh, that applies to them or if there's a rule that prevents them from having a mandate in their own workforce. So they really want to make sure they're in, in light of this decision, they're looking to see, OK, what other legal requirements may or may not apply to me? And then making sure that they're going back to the roots of developing a policy that they feel is best to keep their employees safe at work. So helpful. Now let's go to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the CMS decision. Healthcare obviously is a big part of the US economy, mm -hmm. employs 11% of American workers. So this could still be impacting. The mandate is still applicable here. Can you unpack what happened there? Right. So the, the CMS mandate or, or the mandate that governs most healthcare workers in the United States, that was, as I mentioned, that was issued by a different governmental agency. It was Health and Human Services through the CMS or Centers for Medicare, Medicare and Medicaid Services. The difference in the analysis there, at least from the court's perspective, is they felt that Congress gave CMS more direct power to issue a mandate similar to what they issued. So CMS has the right to issue regulations and rules that govern agencies that accept Medicare and Medicaid funding. And the Supreme Court said that that gave them the authority to issue their mandate. And so they upheld the ability to issue that mandate. But again, similar to what we saw with the ETS, this was a decision on whether the CMS mandate should be stayed or should be allowed to proceed while litigation is pending to determine if it's actually constitutional and if CMS actually had the right. So it's another somewhat uh, temporary step along the way in the litigation. But as of right now, we have those healthcare employers, they are subject to the mandate. It is live, so to speak. It will be in effect while the litigation continues to go through the courts. Now, as I mentioned, they the those employers do have to consider valid religious and medical requests for exemption from that. But that mandate has actually just been resuscitated, if you will, um, by the Supreme Court. And those healthcare workers are really going to want to start working with their counsel to develop their policies if they haven't already done so. And, you know, so that's a lot of HR, a lot of our customers, obviously, in the healthcare industry. So those listening, you know, your complexity is certainly continuing. Any advice? Obviously, I can say as an employee of Unum, we've got Unum Vaccine Verifier, which is a phenomenally... Mm -hmm easy to use. I myself scanned and uploaded my own vaccine records last Monday when this was all it's still in question. Um, there are solutions out there that's helping. Any thoughts around that? Because all the record keeping, the complex requirements around vaccination exceptions, testing results and so on. Right. And Claire, it is. It's very complicated. And, and as we know, and you've done so many great podcasts and, and other webinars and things on all of the stress, in all of the demands on HR right now, particularly given all the other things that they have to deal with. And so this is really adding a huge layer of complexity, probably one of the most complex issues that I've seen in my 30 plus year career land on the desks of HR, right? Is this whole concept of COVID and start to finish COVID, but particularly the mandates and what will our safety policy look like? So when we were thinking about how to help our HR partners, 
we knew that we wouldn't just come out with a vaccination tracker because that was just one really small piece of the complexity. So uh, to your point, we came out with the vaccine verifier, which not only allows employees to upload vaccine status and the employer can track it, also allows the employer to monitor their testing programs if they have them, reminds employees of their testing obligations, because that could be a key piece of the employer's policy. But the most complex piece of this will be those employees who are saying that they can't get vaccinated or maybe even they can't test because of a medical condition or a religious objection. So we've built in there to our platform the ability for employees to ask for those exemptions and the ability for employers to evaluate those exemptions, giving them the guidance that they need and the summaries of the different considerations that they're going to want to keep in mind, because these are complicated analyses that HR is going to have to undertake. So most HR folks are going to need some help here. Um, They have so much on their plate already, and a lot of this is new for HR. Um, A lot of HR professionals that I've been talking to are telling me that they either have never seen a religious exemption from one of their corporate policies, or if they have, they've had very few. And even if they've done medical exemptions, which most HR folks have, they haven't done them in the context of a pandemic. They don't know what rules are different, what things they have to take in mind. And so we're trying to help there. We're trying to give them some guidance there so that they can navigate this really tricky issue that they find themselves having to deal with. Right. And I think particularly in this tight labor market and just the, like to your point, the emotional potential distress around conversations like this certainly look into the tech solutions out there people like Unima offering as as a to help you if you are within that healthcare CMS sort of uh, cohort of HR but let's also get to the federal contractors what's the status there right so the federal contractor mandate actually has been stayed or paused um, by a couple of different courts in the country and that's where that stands right now So federal contractors right now are in somewhat of a state of limbo because that mandate has been paused and they have to just wait and see where that litigation goes. Um, But again, that doesn't stop them from adopting their own policies and looking to see how they want to protect their employees at work. And so Unum Solution, other tech solutions as well, can also help even if there isn't a mandate that's live right now, it can help them try to organize and enforce whatever policy they decide to adopt and keep all that information, all that documentation in one secure place. Right, and if, I don't know, I feel like I'm in a science fiction movie these days (laughs) in terms of how fast everything's been speeding up and who knows, maybe this is the new normal, right, of of needing to be tracking things like this in the future. Um, I wonder if we could close then. Obviously there's different groups here again of HR, if you were to give some key best practice, key conclusion, encouragement to our audience of, of where should they just focus in on um, in the coming weeks? Any thoughts? I think they really need to, again, I've said this a couple of times, but they really want to sit down with their counsel. They want to sit down with their senior leaders and decide what they want their corporate philosophy and policy to be here. Obviously, you want your counsel to tell you if anything is mandated or anything is prohibited. But short of that, you still want to consider where do you want to be as an employer? How do you want to show up for your employees? What expectations do you want to set? to make people be comfortable coming back into the office if that's your goal. 
And you really need to make sure that you're having holistic decisions around that so that you can make your employees feel safe. You can meet whatever your own employee culture is, but always really important to work with your counsel because these things are changing by the minute. You know, yesterday before we received, all of us received alerts on our phones about Supreme Court coming down, we had a very different landscape than we had, you know, five minutes after we received those alerts. And so it's changing by the minute. You have to stay up to date and you have to make sure your counsel is on board with any policy that you go ahead and administer and adopt. Well, thank you, Ellen, so much for simplifying, making this human and understandable. <laughs> we will continue to be tracking this. So if you're not already subscribing to the HR Trends podcast on your device, you might want to do that right now. <laughs> We're on all podcast apps. And Ellen, thank you so much. And we'll be getting you back in, in the hot seat not too long from now, I'm sure. Oh, I look forward to it. Thank you, Claire. Unum is a registered trademark and marketing brand of Unum Group and its insuring subsidiaries.